welcome back to Unwatchable, you guys. I am your host, Chloe Rodriguez, and I am really excited about today's episode. Let's just hop right into it, and I'll introduce you to our guest today. It's a writer and producer who I have the pleasure of working with. It's Alex Kyle Young. Hi, Chloe. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Hello, sir. Um, We are talking about something that is a guilty pleasure for both of us. Yes. And that is food-based reality competition shows. Yes. Which sounds very specific, but there's so many of them out there. There's so many, and and us talking about prepping for for doing this today, I realized there was so many more that I even knew that were there, there. That's true. We have like a list of about four that we want to get through, and that's like scratching the surface, or not even really scratching not the even, surface. Not even, yeah, yeah. Because if you go on Food Network, there's like, we got cooking shows, we got competition shows, and then there's random shows that are just like, this is a television personality. Yeah, so I, I personally, because I... You can ask my old roommates. Like, I have an issue with watching food competition shows. Um, but as in, as in, I'm like partially addicted to them. But when it comes to those shows where it's like Rachel Ray or something, which I love Rachel Ray, but yeah. they go so fast through the directions, and it's like I, I didn't learn how to make that at all. So I, I personally am not super in love with those types of shows. Yeah. Maybe I don't know. I just like the 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 anxiety of them pitted against each other to try to beat each other and sometimes they're friendly with each other like hey i didn't get the half and half can i borrow some of yours and they're like yeah sure and then other times they're like no screw you you should have grabbed it so it's i don't know i think it's fun yeah it's funny when i'm looking at this list of shows the tone of them is like so different throughout all of these shows that we're going to talk about today for sure and i think that's really what hooks you in is like some of them, everyone is very, like, kind of professional, and it's all about the food. And then some of them, there's, like, more of a narrative. And then some of them, it's, like, all about, like, trying to get the contestants to, like, butt heads and stuff like that. Yeah. So they really figured out a way to, like, add some variety to something that could basically seem like the same thing over and over again. But Very true. Figured it out. Um, before we dive into these shows, we should talk about how we know each other. And about your experience in the industry so that people know that you got the goods to back up what we're going to say today. The goods that we... <laughs> uh, I am a, an actor and a producer, um, and I have been working on a pilot with one of my uh, producing friends out here for several years, and we actually brought you on uh, okay. to be part of the writing team. And it's a 30-minute... Um, Sort of in the same vein as, uh, what is the show with Tina Fey? I 30 Rock. Known. 30 Rock, thank you. Uh, the coffee hasn't hit me yet. <laughs> it's in the same vein as, uh, as 30 Rock. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's funny, but comedy's a lot of work. We're finding out oh through gosh, this process. Yeah. Um, and I've produced uh, my first short film, went to 13 different festivals and won multiple awards. And we're in the post-production phase of our second short film, which we made the complete opposite the first one we got totally funded and had a full cast and crew this one we were like let's strip it all let's do it as few as we can do and it's it's actually been a really good process of uh 
you know, learning who you can work with, who you work well with, and continuing to work with those people and supporting each other. You're essentially like the showrunner. Basically. Uh, Organizing all of us and making sure that we're together and like, okay, can you all write this next Tuesday? And and there's times where I get a little stressed out (laughs) because I'm like, oh, well, you know, Chloe has this obligation next week or she's not feeling well, so we kind of have to postpone. And then you wait a couple weeks and then it's like, oh, well, now... Jason can't do it, you know, so it's a, yeah. it's a little stressful at times, but I really, really love the moments that we get together and focus and seeing the work come together and seeing us make each other laugh with our writing is just yeah. amazing. And, and I don't know, to me, the most rewarding part of this so far is to know that I've been working on this for, for literally like three years and that... Sam and I have been developing these characters for, for that long. Yeah. And to see you guys come on and make them talk and make them have interactions and mm-hmm. to be able to laugh from that is, is incredibly rewarding. It's so important to like have a group that you can sit down with and be like, no, we're going over every facet of this because we want to make sure that we do it right. As she's talking about, though, we, we spent one night just talking about the tone of the show. Okay, what do we want mm-hmm. the tone of the show to be? And then we spent another two to three nights just developing the characters and their history and their traits and their mannerisms and, and what they want and why they're at the show. And then then you finally get to start writing the pilot. And, and you have to have the networks, the buyers, the producers, the audience at the end of that one episode go, I want to see the rest of this season. And it's, yeah. a, it's a, lot of, a lot of pressure. But we're doing it, man. We are. We are. Thanks for bringing me on board. Oh, thanks for thanks for being on board <laughs> and trusting me. <laughs> um, it's it's interesting that we were talking about tone because when I was looking at these uh, like reality competition shows, I noticed that like the biggest difference between all of them is their tone. Um, the amount of excitement I just got inside of me to talk about <laughs> these shows is unhealthy. So. <laughs> Before you came on, when we were trying to think of a a topic, we like we kept like shooting each other different ideas of what we wanted to talk about, and then finally you were like, "Oh yeah, I really like um like Food Network style shows." I was like, "Yes, please, <laughs> let's talk about that." I have been obsessed with not just the Food Network, but just cooking or food related shows for like years. I remember in college, my roommates and I we always watched. We would always have two channels on. It would always either be the Game Show Network mm-hmm. or Food Network. Mm-hmm. And there was even a day where, like, we literally woke up. It was, like, a Saturday. All of us had work off inexplicably. We got up. We put on the Food Network, and they were starting a marathon of the Great Food Truck Race. Mm-hmm. And so for the entire day, we literally just, like, watched a whole marathon of the whole season. The show ended, and then we just all went to bed. <laughs> I can't tell you how many days I have played hours of Chopped on television. Yes. Like, just, I, even when, like, if I'm working from home that day, I'll mm-hmm. put old episodes of Chopped on in the background just so I can hear Ted Allen's comforting <laughs> voice, even though he's telling everyone you're Chopped. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> he really does have a nice voice. He does. It's so comforting. He delivers the worst news in the most pleasant way. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. Well, let's talk about Chopped. Um, that is, I think Chopped is like the quintessential Food Network show. I'm, I, pr- I'm pretty sure it's their highest 
Really Absolutely cool. agree. I think they're on like season forty-five. I mean, it's not that much. It's it's, yeah. it's seriously no, like no, twenty-five. You're right. or something I like I that. looked it up. They're on season forty-four. So oh my god! You guessed correctly with your exaggeration. And, and can you can you imagine like the show must be making money because oh, every yeah. single episode somebody's winning ten thousand dollars. Yeah. True. And each season is what let's say on average fifteen episodes. So let's say 15 times $10,000 is $150,000 a season. Yeah. Times, let's say 40. Let's lowball it. That's $6 million in, in prize money that they've given away. And that's not counting the episodes where they do the tournament style, where yeah. when you beat out all the other winners, you win 50000 or 75000 True. And the one thing I really, I, I have to say is probably my favorite is when they bring the celebrity judge uh, chefs in <laughs> yeah. and they're all because I mean they're they're just so cool calm and collective and they make the most amazing dishes oh, but yeah. then their prize money goes to a charity which mm-hmm. I think is really cool on on the show's part on the the chef's part and as an artist I think I truly do believe that a chef is another form of artistry like oh yeah the way that you can, and it's chemistry, like the way that you have to think about, oh, well, this ingredient doesn't mix mix with this ingredient because mm-hmm. it'll curdle or because it'll sour or something. Yeah. It, it takes a, it takes a high level of intelligence, and I think that we really, um, some people really undervalue and, and underestimate that. Yeah, you have to like. The, the thing that impresses me is when people have like an encyclopedic knowledge, kind of. Of the different ingredients. If you guys haven't seen Chopped, which I'm sure. Oh, I guess you we should have. say that. Yes, yes. We, oh, yeah. so assumptive of us. <laughs> if you haven't seen Chopped, um, which I can't imagine a world in which you haven't, but <laughs> <laughs> it's essentially uh, they get four chefs come in to compete. They do three different rounds and then they eliminate a different chef at the end of each round. So they do appetizer, entree, and then dessert. And. Um, the chefs all get a mystery basket Correct. of ingredients. Correct. That's, that's the whole premise of this mm-hmm. show, is that each one is given the same exact basket of ingredients, but it's four mm-hmm. ingredients that when they open the basket, your idea is, how are they going to put all of that? You have yeah. to have all four ingredients in that dish, and you have to make them the star of the dish. You can add other things from the pantry, but... Yeah. Let's say coconut is one of the ingredients. If the judges, if you put coconut in your dish, but you put sriracha and the sriracha overpowers the coconut, yeah, Alex Gornatelli is gonna, who's <laughs> one of the judges, favorite. she's oh my, my favorite too. I love her. She's gonna be like, um, I don't taste the coconut. I really wish you would have yeah. went lighter on. She says it in a more mean way, which I love. <laughs> but she'll say, you know, I wish you would have gone lighter on on the spice. I don't taste the basket ingredients. I, you did not make. The basket ingredients, the star of your dish. <laughs> yeah, everyone always has like this encyclopedic knowledge where they're like, I know exactly how rhubarb tastes, and rhubarb is gonna pair well with this because this tastes exactly like this. And like, it's like you're seeing, you know, that gif of that woman, <laughs> I think it's from like Homeland or something, or it's like the blonde woman looking around and there's all those like numbers converging. Oh, in front yes, of her. yes, yes. That's like kind of how they are with like, okay, so this is gonna taste like this, this is gonna taste like this, and I was looking up some behind-the-scenes facts about this show, and in a Business Insider interview with Ted Allen, he actually said that every basket is designed like a riddle. 
Mm-hmm. So he said, every basket has a riddle to it, and it's only known to the people who put together the basket. So, but since they only have about 20 minutes to prepare, you don't have 20 minutes to sit there and figure out what the riddle is. You just kind of have to go off of your first instinct. So he was saying, like, you know, if they put in bread and cheese sticks and garlic or something, they're... In their mind, they're, like, creating a riddle in which someone creates, like, a gourmet grilled cheese or something. Mm -hmm. But the whole point of the show is you don't have to know what they're actually looking for. You can just do whatever you want. But they they choose to structure it in a way in which they know that you can feasibly make what they're looking for. I'm so embarrassed because I'm I'm so bad with names. But the the chef who does uh, Cutthroat Kitchen, and -hmm. he's also famous for... uh, Good Eats. What is his name? Alton Brown. Alton Brown. They had Alton Brown come on, and it was another one of those championship battles, which for those of you who haven't watched it, it's four different episodes where the winner from each of those four episodes, Mm -hmm. then in the fifth episode, go against each other. And then they call it the Chopped Champion because you you beat the winners. Mm -hmm. You know, he came on, and his baskets were just one step more difficult because it's Alton Brown and he thinks yeah. on a different level than everyone else, you know. Yeah. And he's like a snarky bastard, so you got to kind of trip him up. I, I, I love Alton He is Brown. one of my absolute favorites. <laughs> um, he, his baskets. If oh, you, also, I apologize for the fact that today there's like a parade of trucks outside of my apartment. Hopefully, I'll, just, I'll just try to be louder. Hopefully than, that doesn't pick up on my audio. But, um, but he came on and it was, it was another level of, of, Mm-hmm. chopped and it was it was so he would have ingredients on there that would stump the chefs they'd be like i have no idea what you know is yeah. and then there's always a moment where ted allen would be like well tell me what this ingredient is and why it's used and mm-hmm. i'm like thank you for telling me that ted because i don't know <laughs> and there was one episode where i got impatient i can't remember what the ingredient was but i actually googled it because i was like mm-hmm. oh, what the hell is this you know um but it's it's very uh it's very entertaining, and it's it's very some they've they've done it with kids, they've done it with with uh, college people, uh, college people. college people. Uh, <laughs> they've done it with college kids. They've done it with. Uh, they did an episode with grandpas, which I, I saw that you yes, recently. Yes, I watched that one, which was amazing. They've done one with comedians. I mean, they've done everything. They've, they've oh yeah, they they definitely try to switch it up. The interesting thing to me about Chopped is. I don't think you think about all the production that goes into it. I'm so glad you said that because from a producer's <laughs> standpoint, from, yes. from someone who has had a budget and, and has allocated that budget for a project, yeah, I will look because <laughs> I'm such a nerd. Uh, um, so when they're explaining to you what the ingredients are, each of those, let's say it's the first round, so there's yeah. four baskets. And let's say one of the ingredients is sea bass, which is a very expensive white fish that most yeah. people it's like a steak of the of the ocean there's a sea bass in all four of those baskets but then there's more sea bass because they have to do a shot showing you what each of the like a glamour shot of each yeah. ingredient where they have the sea bass on the cutting board with the perfect lighting and it's like <laughs> ted allen saying in his beautiful voice sea bass yeah. <laughs> and then they go to the next one and, and they do a glamour shot of all four of the ingredients and at the end they do a glamour shot of all four together yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, they just had to buy at least five of those sea bass. Yeah. Sea basses? Sea bass? <laughs> I don't know. Plural of sea bass. Sea bass. Um, sea bass. 
and and there's that's how my brain works. And then like when the round is done, they judge the four people's food and they send them to a little break room and the judges deliberate on who they're going to yeah. send home. But also what you're not seeing while that's happening is the PAs and the crew is coming in and they're yeah. cleaning everything and they're cleaning out the fryer and they're cleaning out the ice cream machine if somebody used it and they're oh, yeah. It's it's a lot of work. They have to clean the dishes and reset them. Like it's yeah. got to be a full twelve hour day on set oh, for, is, for one episode. It's probably brutal, honestly, when you're there and you have to be there all yes. day. Um, and fun fact: everybody makes multiple plates, not just the plates that they give to the judges. Yes, that's a great point because they have to have they have to make an extra plate for close up glamour shots of their meal, and because in case they get eliminated. They have to have like a full, like shot of the meal when he like unveils like you've been chopped and there's yes. like the fully uneaten plate. If I remember correctly, they all make four. Yes. And then that fourth, di- that same dish is saved to put under the cloche, uh, if they're the ones chopped. Ooh, is that what that's officially called? It is what it's called. A cloche. I am that big of a nerd. <gasps> Whoa! I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing that I found was interesting when I was looking through this because I really wanted to figure out like some of the production aspects of it. So apparently they have 10 to 12 cameras running at all times Mm -hmm. for all different angles Mm -hmm. so that they don't miss like anything. Like if someone, I I don't know, if someone like drops a zucchini or something, they want to be able to like have that dramatic ass shot of someone dropping a zucchini, and the editing is always oh, it's amazing all, on this show. Always. Everything is a disaster. Everything is dramatic. Sound effects. And I feel part. like one in four episodes, it's like, oh, we've got a we've got a traffic jam at the fryer because <laughs> they've got one little fryer with two little baskets for yes. four contestants. And one little ice cream machine that never works. Yes, and so they're all like, "Oh, there's a there's a waiting line for the ice cream." Yeah. Like, which you know they do on purpose. Oh, for sure. There's no for way in heck they don't have enough money. Absolutely, for sure. And, and but the thing is, every show that I've seen like this yeah. does it. Like Cutthroat Kitchen, which I know we're gonna get to in a bit. Yeah. Uh, they have only one ice cream machine as well. Yeah, they just love to be little bitches and make it. Hard. But do you know? Do you know what I think is funny is they have something called an anti griddle, mm-hmm. which is uh, a freezing griddle. Mm-hmm. So anything you put on top of it instantly freezes it. And so anytime anyone uses it, I, I love it because it doesn't matter what show. They're always like, oh, oh, they're using the anti griddle. They're 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 pouring the the sour cream on the anti. It's just which sounds like something that someone made up. Like oh, for if sure. I was writing a parody of chopped i would i would come up with a fake thing called an anti-griddle i can't believe it actually exists for sure um and then before we move on from chopped i think um i think the reason that chopped is so compelling even though you're just like sitting there watching people cook and you don't get to actually taste the food yourself a, I mean, watching these people in a panic, obviously. But also, it's not one of those competition shows where people are, like, at each other's throats. Like, it's a, tonally, it's like everyone is pretty pleasant to each other. For the most part, yeah. I think the thing that makes it great is that, like, it is a believable competition. Like, they do have very strict rules for their competition. I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, like I stated earlier, you're supposed to have all four of the mystery ingredients in yeah. your dish. And if you forget one of those dishes, they will all, Ted Allen, 
will always tell you that it's it's not a guarantee that you're going to be chopped, but yeah. it does hurt you. Yeah. And um, nine times out of ten in the competition by the end because at the end when they judge the winner they take into account all of your dishes yeah and if you left one of your ingredients out the other person really has to mess up for yeah. for, for them to be chopped you know um where is that going with this <laughs> <laughs> well i think this is the show out of all the ones we're going to talk about today this is the one that has like the least producer intervention it would seem because they I've looked it up and they do take the competition aspect very seriously. Like yes. absolutely like no one in the competition knows anything about the baskets. Like they make sure they like keep very strict to the time limit. Um, I know that when there's like actual cash involved in a reality competition show, there are like very strict rules that they have to adhere to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you can tell that they really take it seriously. And obviously, like, we're going to talk about MasterChef, we're going to talk about Cutthroat Kitchen, and while those are, you know, also reality competition shows, they seem to have more elements of producer intervention to them than Chopped, where I think Chopped, like, lets it stand on its own a little bit more. I would say I, there's more producer intervention in MasterChef than oh, there, yeah. than there is in Chopped, or uh, even Cutthroat Kitchen. Yeah. Um, Going back to how dramatic chopped can be at times, though, that's where yeah. I, this is where I was going when oh, okay. my when my brain farted. <laughs> um, when I love how dramatic it gets when one of the chefs forgets one of the ingredients. Oh yeah. Um, I was actually watching one yesterday where the chef forgot fennel in his <laughs> ingredient, and it's he's like, oh, the clock ended, and I realized that my fennel was still in the pan on the stove, yes. and. I can just feel my chopped dreams going away. And then it cuts to commercial. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And then it's every time. And then so it gets to the judging. And and one of the judges is like, "Um, did the fennel go on a vacation? Where's the fennel? (laughs) Like, it's it's hilarious. If you want to play a good chopped drinking game, there are some essential things that happen every single episode. One... The obvious of forgetting a basket ingredient. Mm-hmm. Two, forgetting to plate an item mm-hmm. or having just a terrible plating presentation, which they always treat those last like 30 seconds as like the end all be all in this show. They're like, oh, we got 30 seconds to put this taco on the plate. For sure. Um, oh, tragic backstory. That's oh also, my that's gosh, one to take a yes. sip for. I, 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 I'm so glad you brought that up. And <laughs> I feel like a terrible person saying this, but. It does seem to happen all the time on Chopped. Ted will be like, well, Chloe, can you tell me why you're competing on Chopped today? What would you do if you got the money? Um, I'm competing on Chopped because I was actually hit by a bus uh, two days ago, and I've been really struggling to recover. As you can see, I cooked this entire meal for you. Uh, with no fingers and no toes. I mean, obviously that's a little dramatized, but yes, it's very true. Like half of them have this this uh, this dramatic sob story. Yeah. That uh, you know, which you know, don't get me wrong, all of us have yeah heartache and sorrow in our in our uh, life, but 
if they were like, Alex, why are you here? I'd be like, to kick ass, because I want money. Like, um, I want to fucking win. I want to win on my own merit. I don't want you to be, like, feeling guilty for me <laughs> when I want to know that my food was the best, and that's why I want it. I, I watched one where it was, like, mother-in-laws competing with their, like, daughter and son-in-laws, and one of them was like, we are going to use this money so that I can have a baby like my husband and I are trying to do like in vitro or something like that and they got chopped like first round and I was like fuck I guess like no baby for you man yeah like, I mean the chop- judges do not they, care they about do your not sob care story at all. and, and <laughs> 40 seasons in you would think these contestants would understand that no one gives a shit about your great great uncle who just passed yeah. away by getting run over by a giant turtle like no one cares <laughs> I honestly wouldn't be surprised if they, like, the judges aren't even there when they're filming the shots of them, like, telling their stories. <laughs> they're, like, they're just talking to no one. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, Chopped is amazing. But I have to say, controversial opinion, I like Cutthroat Kitchen I even more. love Cutthroat Kitchen, but that's partially because Alton Brown is one of my absolute oh, yeah. favorite uh, food personalities. If Chopped is, like, the chaotic good of Food Network, Cutthroat Kitchen is definitely chaotic evil. Oh, the devil. For sure the devil. I I love it so much. I think the stakes are higher. I think it's a little more interesting. Let, let's talk about Cutthroat Kitchen. So uh, the concept is it's four chefs, mm-hmm. correct? Um, similar structure where it's four chefs, three rounds, but everyone gets... $25,000 to start off with. And throughout the course of the show, Alton Brown will come out with his evil little grin and auction off sabotages that you can purchase to give to your competitors. Um, so I've seen people competing like they have to cook in a sumo suit. They have to... Uh, I just watched one where it was like they had to only use ingredients from like a leftover breakfast buffet yes so so whatever whatever dish alton has assigned them to make yeah the sabotages are somehow related to that dish for instance an episode i recently watched was the the contestants had to make duck a la orange however you say it um (laughs) duck was the main component yeah one of the sabotages was that a chef could purchase a floating workstation. So it was this workstation filled with water yeah. and covered with rubber duckies of all sizes. And the two chefs that that winning chef assigned to that yeah. had to do all of their prep work, all of their plating, everything on top of these rubber duckies <laughs> that were in this water bath. Yeah. And so it's it's ridiculous sabotages like this. Um I've seen one where they cut a pan, like a saute pan in half, and you had to, one of the chefs could purchase that two-piece saute pan Mm -hmm. and then assign one half to two other chefs, (laughs) and they had to do all of their cooking in that half of a saute pan. Honestly, I would love to write for Cutthroat Kitchen. Like, to come up with these ideas would be amazing. Oh, they're hilarious. And the the interesting part, the way that they take it a step further, is that if you win, your winnings are whatever you saved from that $25,000. So it's not like a, a cut and dry, this is what you get to take home. I've seen people win 
who have spent like 22,000 out of their 25,000 and they're right. only walking away with 3,000 or I think the person who did the best only spent about like two or three five, grand. Yeah, yeah, like maybe like a thousand dollars, and then they got to walk with twenty four thousand. Something like that, yeah. So it's it's an interesting like you really have to strategize in this show as compared to Chopped, where Chopped is like all about your cooking. Cutthroat Kitchen is like okay, I have to have like an actual in addition to cooking, I have to have an actual strategy, and I have to be flexible in case I get like a sabotage. For sure, and the sabotages get progressively worse oh, typically. Yeah. So you have to be like, okay, could if I was assigned to this sabotage, yeah, would I be able to function, or do I want to spend my money now? Yeah, absolutely. And possibly be outbid later on a more devious sabotage that yeah. Alton Brown and his team has come up with. What would your strategy be on this show? Because there's the strategy of spending a lot of money and sabotaging people so that you can just focus on your cooking, and then there's you know, I'm going to save all of my money so that even if I have to do these sacrifice or these sabotages, if I do win, I get a lot of money at the end. You know, <clears throat> I and Alton will say it on the show all the time to to be uh, strategic about who you're assigning the sabotages to. Yeah. But a lot of times, say that you just gave me a sabotage, I win the next one, and yeah. I get to assign who gets this one. Maybe you're not the best chef that I feel like you're my biggest competition. Yeah. But I'm going to give you that sabotage anyhow because you just gave me one. Yeah. I would be like, no, I'm not worried about Chloe. I don't think she's that, you know. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go for Joe Schmo over here who has like three Michelin. No, no, take his ass home. Yeah. Like, you know, and so a lot of people, they'll, they'll assign sabotages vindictively instead of using their brain. And yeah. Uh, another thing is, like, you can have multiple sabotages. Like, just because you've had yeah. one doesn't mean you're out. Like, I would just stack it on someone. Like, guarantee that that person's going home, you know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, To try and, and, and take as much as I could home. I've noticed that, like, the first round of sabotages before you've gotten to see your competition cook, I've noticed that it turns into... A pissing contest a oh, lot totally. of the times. Like, Absolutely. I'm not trying to generalize here, but I've noticed that, like, typically during the first round, if a male chef, like, bets on a sabotage, he always gives it to the other male chef. Mm-hmm. And, or vice versa. Or if it's, like, a, a female, they always give it to the other female chef. I've never thought about it, but I think you're actually 100% right. Because they haven't gotten to see, like, what their competition can do. They're just like, mm, that's another... Big guy, I'm gonna take this big guy down. Well, so as they're as the show opens, they show the four chefs like clearly producer prompted. Yeah. Um talking to each other, like, I'm gonna take you down, Chloe. Oh yeah, they you don't look they talk intimidating. So much shit. I have noticed that whoever opens their mouth the most during that little intro yeah. typically gets the, the sabotages the first round. Oh, yeah. So if I was on that show and the producers were like, okay, guys, talk shit. I'm like, uh, I'm going to stay here. I'm going to be quiet. Oh, like, <laughs> I, you know what? Because uh, you, you can always tell like who's giving the producers what they want because they'll always cut back to that person's uh-huh. reaction. And I would be like, dude, I don't care if I don't get as much screen time. I'm going to fly under the radar. I'm going to be pleasant at first. I'm only going to like sabotage if I really don't trust myself to handle that sabotage like if someone else gets it 
There, I mean, but it makes good television. There's this this younger guy. I can't think of his name because he annoyed the shit out of me. Uh, he was <laughs> he was on um, Food Network's Next Reality Star, Next Hosting Star, whatever that show is called. Yeah. And then he was also on this, and he's just a cocky son of a bitch. Mm-hmm. And I think he went down for spending the most on on a sabotage, and it was like oh. not even one that was you know super crazy. Yeah. But um, just a trash talker. And I'm like, I, I just don't like it. But it, there's a level. So on this on this show, there's a level of playful trash talking. And yeah. then there's just like, okay, you just need to shut up. Yeah. Like, and he's one of those that I felt was just like, shut up. <laughs> um, and also Alton Brown does nothing to like help. He stokes the fire. Oh, he totally does. So much. I love that. Like, as opposed to Chopped, which is very like. Very sincere for the most part. Cutthroat Kitchen is like tonally very like sarcastic, very snarky. Like, do you know what my favorite thing is? Yes. When Alton Brown is on the sidelines and sees a chef <laughs> fucking up, and he's like, <laughs> "Chef Jamie is over there uh, prepping this this way, and if he had any brain, he would totally not yeah. do that." But uh, I can't say anything, and I'm yeah. like, I'm like, yes. <laughs> and he he's so like passive aggressive about it. He'll totally. Just, like, he'll just float around their station. He's like, oh, Chef Gordon. So uh, is that the amount of seeds that you wanna that you wanna put into this uh, uh, frittata? Is that the amount of? Uh... With his diabolical oh, laugh that he that's does. That's a lot of peppers. You like peppers? Ha 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 ha. How are you gonna make an omelet without any eggs? <laughs> <laughs> I love it so much. Oh yeah. Also, I've seen people, I've seen people screw themselves over, not even with the sabotage, but self sabotage is what yeah, they call it. Yeah, you get to because um, they assign you the dish, and then you go shopping in their little like fridge. pantry. Yeah, their pantry and fridge section. Sixty seconds. Yeah, and I've seen people sabotage themselves just because they like don't grab like essential things. They'll be like, "Oh, we were supposed to make a breakfast sandwich, and I forgot to grab eggs or something yes. like that." Or they get they just like get super cocky about it. Cutthroat Kitchen is way more like a dissection of people and like their egos than For it sure. is about the food. For sure. And um, then they have instead of a panel of judges, they have one judge who comes in who has no idea what the sabotages were or who was sabotaged. Yes. And that one person does like a blind taste test essentially. Yes. And then goes down the row, like, one by one, critiquing them, like, in the moment. Like, which I feel like is totally on blast more than chopped. Because it's, like, instantaneous, like, one-on-one. This is the only person whose opinion matters. And they're going down. Like, they're you're standing behind your workstation with your dish in front of you. Yeah. And the judge and Alton are just on the other side of that workstation. Yeah. Staring you like two feet in the face, <laughs> yeah. saying, "Oh, uh, it's very unique that these spring rolls are made with actual rolls." Uh, you know, because they've done this for so yeah. many seasons, they can probably in their mind be like, "Oh, somebody took away their dough and made them make spring rolls with yeah. rolls," which is another play on how they do the sabotages. Um, it's yeah, it's definitely more. More in your face, which yeah. I think is why it's so entertaining. It's a way more personal, like, judging process. Yes. Uh, wow, I could talk about Cutthroat Kitchen all day. Um, but we should probably move on, unless you have something else to, to say. To MasterChef? No. I am so excited to talk about MasterChef, because okay. even as much as I love 
Chopped and Cutthroat Kitchen. Master yes. Chef is probably my favorite. Oh, this is interesting because you were the one who suggested Master Chef. I had never seen it. I literally knew nothing about it. I thought it was going to essentially be just like Chopped. And I was very wrong. This is very reminiscent of another reality TV show, but not one that has anything to do with cooking. When this pops up on Hulu, yes. because it's the next, I get so excited. I'm like, oh, it's coming out every <laughs> Wednesday night, so I'm gonna watch this on Hulu on Thursday. Yes. Um, you know, uh, it's it's. First of all, let's be real. If Gordon Ramsay is in it, he is. He, I will watch it. I he is love him. My favorite food personality, and um, up there with Alton Brown mm-hmm. and Christina Tozzi, who's on this show. I love Christina Tozzi, mm-hmm. uh, who is like the queen of baking, as <laughs> they call her on the on the network. Um, and I can't think of the Italian chef's name right now that they always have on there. Well, the judges that they have at the moment are uh, Aaron Sanchez, who... Aaron Sanchez. He... Aaron Sanchez, mm-hmm. apologies. He guests a lot on Chopped. That, that's how he I does. knew him. Uh, Chef Gordon Ramsay, of course. And I have no idea how to say this dude's last name. Joe Bastianic. I believe I said that. Correctly. Joe Bastiani, I think is what they call him. Something like that. Who? That's who I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Joe is a restaurateur. Uh, and he is a son of a bitch on this show. <laughs> uh, he is very like he'll just he'll the the looks he oh, gives yeah. the contestants are and he's so dramatic. Like he's he has the flair for the dramatic dr- dramaticism dramatic. Yeah, dramatics. I, I wrote so each of these judges have a very different way of judging food. If you guys haven't seen Master Chef, I would compare it most to American Idol. It's like the American Idol of Ooh. cooking shows. It's also produced by Fox, which is originally where American Idol was um, before it moved, I think, to ABC. Um, when it was canceled and came back forever. Yeah, but it really screams like Fox-produced reality television. To oh, ab- absolutely. It's the same concept of American Idol as like, oh, these are... Just everyday people who have a talent, they're being plucked from obscurity, they go through, and it's different from Chopped and Cutthroat Kitchen in the sense that like every episode isn't a different set of competitors. It's the same set of competitors for the season, and they're whittling down like top 20, then top 18. Then... Uh, yeah, I want to say they, they start with like 22 or 24, something like that. Yeah. And then, it, and then it goes an entire season all the way down to the top three. Yes. And then the finale is those three cooking a gourmet appetizer, entree, and dessert. Yep. And then out of those three, at the end of the finale, they select the master chef. And I noticed that each judge has like their own, at least in the season I watched. I watched season 10, which was the latest season that they have on Hulu. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought it was really interesting because... Gordon Ramsay is like known for being a hard ass, but I feel like he's like such a sweetheart. Like he is, because he's actually like he's a secret sweetie. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think he is a food genius. First of all, yeah. Um, but I think a lot of that is just editing and and mm-hmm. producing of what people think he's like. But I also just see him as someone who's incredibly passionate and doesn't want his his yeah. business to fail. But 
If you watch MasterChef Junior, which is with kids, literally yeah. as young as seven years old. It's just kids acting like adults. Like, they're dressed up as, like, basically adults. And, and they are super passionate. Like, they, there's kids on there that can cook me around a bus. And it's oh, yeah. just like, how, 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 how do you is know how to... Is that a phrase? Cook me around a bus? Maybe not. I don't know. I'm from the <laughs> South. Uh, cook circles around me, but I said bus earlier. Now my brain is stuck on bus. <laughs> um, but it's it's... He's so good with the kids like yeah they'll every now and then because they're kids and and they you know if the judge says your chicken is raw and this little kid their dream is to be a chef yeah. they take that to their heart and so they'll start crying and they'll, they're just like i just want to make you happy and then the judges will just talk to them in a way that's so incredibly nurturing yeah. and, and encouraging and it's incredible yeah i've noticed that uh, Gordon Ramsay, he will always, like, he doesn't have, like, much of a build-up to his judge. Like, his judgment, he lets you know right off the bat. Like, he'll take a bite of something, and instead of leading you down the road where he's like, okay, so, with this dish, I'm looking at the ingredients and blah, 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 and then he gets there, he'll take a bite and be like, I like this, and this is why. Or, like, this is bad, and this is why. Like, he doesn't have a buildup. He tells you right off the bat what his opinion is and then explains it. He says something so frequently, but I wonder if he even knows he says it. But he'll, he'll be like, your spring rolls are great. Let's get one thing straight. Let's get that straight. He says, <laughs> yeah. let's get one thing straight all the time. Yeah. And, and let's get one thing straight. Um, you know, but clearly with a his, like, super British dialect, which I'm yes. not going to try to do right now. Um, but he... Um, and also with that show, like how we're talking about how it's heavily produced, the editing is also very big on it because he'll take a bite and he'll look at you like he's going to say, this is fucking awful. Yes. And then they'll cut to commercial and then they'll come back and then they'll open with the same bite and the same look and the contestants yeah. look of concern. And then Gordon will be like, this is the best spring roll I've ever had. Whoa. Yeah, it's it's they totally, totally you are absolutely 1,000% right. Heavily Fox produced. Yeah, he is, he is the guy you want to impress on this show. For sure. Like, he is the moneymaker. Unless absolutely. it's a dessert challenge and Christina Tozzi's on. Mm-hmm. Because she is the queen of cupcakes and macaroons. She's the founder of yeah. Milk out here in Los Angeles, which is this super oh, yeah. popular uh, restaurant out here. Um, when there's a competition... And there's one that they do occasionally, I would say almost once a season. It's where mm-hmm. they have to make a box of macaroons. And Christina Tozzi's the judge. I'd be like, bye. I'm just going to go get my bags. Sending I'm just, myself yeah, I'm, home. Thank you guys for having me. This has been fun. I'm not going to embarrass myself yeah. in front of Christina Tozzi. The thing that was so aggravating to me was that Joe, like, never really says what he thinks about the dish. He literally, like, every single time... He'll taste something and he'll be like, so um, the plating is good and like it does taste good. Here's my question that I have to think about. Are you someone who can go the distance? Like he doesn't give a judgment. He just like gives questions. Like he'll just be like, well, the thing I'm thinking about is whether or not you've improved enough in this competition to really garner the title of master chef and whether or not this this tells me how you've improved thus far, and that's the, what I'm thinking. And then about. the contestant will be like, oh, "I totally have." And then he'll be like, 
Well, I guess we'll find out. And he'll turn yeah, around and go back he, to his line. Yeah, he gives, like, no actual judgment. He's never like, oh, yeah, this bread is great because blah, blah, blah. He's just like, well, now here's what I have to mull over. And you're like, well, you should have mulled it over before you started talking, dude. Give you know, us the answer. One of my favorite things that he does is he'll take a bite. He'll take a couple bites. Then he'll give the contestant a look and just turn around without saying anything. <laughs> and I'm just like, you son of a bitch. Like, he is. <laughs> and then Aron is like all about the flavor profile and balance. And he's very like, he he's very much like chopped style. See, they judging. all have, they all have their thing. Cause yeah. like Joe Bastiani is, you know, if, if it's an Italian dish and Joe is the judge, yeah, you better get ready to be red. <laughs> <laughs> And if it's uh, a Mexican dish, and Aron Sanchez is the judge, yeah. same thing. He's going to tear it apart. And then if it's an English dish or... Just anything else, really. Anything else, really, <laughs> yeah. Or if it's uh, Beef Wellington, which uh, Gordon Ramsay is famous for mm-hmm. kind of inventing, in a way. Um, his signature dish. If it's Beef Wellington and he's the judge, yeah. you better hold on to your everything. Anything <laughs> meat, really. He's he's good with he's yes. always like I can see that this is cooked perfectly just by looking at it yeah my impression of MasterChef as someone who had never seen it was yes it is very heavily produced it was very reminiscent of American Idol to me this like the concept of you know instead of getting a golden ticket to Hollywood they're getting an apron to like move on and then every single week it's like different challenges to pare things down um and i have to say i knew exactly who was going to win the season that i watched really from the first episode really yeah i could tell like i i don't know if i've watched too much reality tv or what but the editing was very specific the first episode is obviously like the auditions where people they're cooking their dish and they're presenting it to the judges and saying like this is my signature dish, blah, blah, blah. Um, so I guess I don't know if I should spoil who wins season 10. But when I watched season 10, they started the auditions with two people who they didn't really like go into detail with them too much. Both of them were eliminated. The third person who auditioned, she came in. They spent like 15 minutes of screen time with this lady. They gave her like a lot of time to talk about her backstory. I think like Gordon Ramsay even came out from like the judging chambers to like watch her cook her audition piece. They they like had a commercial break in the middle of her judgment. Like they wow. spent a lot of time with this lady, right? And just off of that I was like this this woman is either like top 3 if not like the winner. Like she's probably the winner. And she was like it. That was the person who won that. That's crazy. And I could just tell by the way that they were editing her. I think when they got down to the to the top three, it was like like some young dude from Harvard who was really cool, Uh, like a restaurant, like this lady who was basically serving up like restaurant level uh, stuff and like had like really intricate plates. And then this other woman who ended up winning and her whole thing was like, I like I'm the oldest person who's like made it this far in this competition ever and like this is my second chapter in life and like had this huge backstory and I could just tell like just from the sheer amount of like 
airtime and like the edits that they were giving this woman, I was like, there's no way she doesn't win. And she it is, won. It is very formulaic. I mean, even with what I was saying earlier about how they cut to commercial um, and they make it seem like they're going to say something bad. Yeah. Nine times out of ten when they come back from the commercial, they're like, this is the best blah, 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 blah. You yeah. know, like it, it is very formulaic. Yeah, because why would you waste all that screen time on someone that you're not going to see throughout the rest of the competition? Unless, like, their story is so good, but their meal is so bad. You know what's, what's so funny <laughs> is I've thought about this exact same thing with Chopped. Yeah. Because if you notice, they, Ted, well, like we were saying, say, why are you competing on the show today? Yeah. Whoever the first two people are they ask why they're on the show are mm-hmm. usually the first two to go. Mm-hmm. Because they're not there later, because he'll yeah. he'll ask each round somebody why are you here, and usually the first two people that talk in the first segment are they're giving them that airtime of yeah. why they're competing because they're not going to have the airtime <laughs> later to tell you why they're competing. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, editing is such a huge part of, I mean, any reality show, but specifically competition shows. Mm-hmm. Because it's not enough to just have a competition. You have to make the audience root for somebody. And you have to... I, I feel like deep down, like all reality TV is, is still all like a narrative piece. And let's, they have to construct that narrative. Let's look at this. Let's look at shows like MasterChef. And let's also talk about uh, Lego Masters, mm-hmm. which is out right now. At the end, they show the product. They show, and let's say they have 12 different teams or people they have to go through. They don't have enough airtime to show you the same, like, 60 seconds of each of those 12 contestants. If you pay attention, they only show you the best and the worst. Yeah. And other, if when they go real fast through, like, six people, they're like, thank you, this was great. Oh, this wasn't your best. Awesome. Next. 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 Those six people are going to be safe. Yeah. Because they didn't give them the airtime. And they usually show you the two best and the two worst. Which, you know, we're in the industry, so we look yeah. at this differently than than other people that are just watching it. But um, it's, it's very, uh, it's all about the editing. Yeah. I think for, like, a lot of shows, once you know, like, their editing style, you can pick the winner out, like, like that. Like, that's how I, I've watched so much American Idol that I knew they were going to follow kind of the same structure and that's Mm -hmm. how i could guess who the winner was and they do the same thing on like even like the bachelor which is a different type of competition show as soon as you know how they edit and like what to look for for like the different storylines you know how far a contestant's going to make it you might not know who wins but you can be like dude that person's making it to top three because why the fuck would they show so much i just don't get that show I love that show. I want to do a whole episode about The Bachelor because I'm too in. I'm. I started out watching it ironically, and now I'm in too deep. I just. I just. <laughs> I, I just don't get it. <laughs> well, you have to watch it with me. Which I'm sure there's somebody out there listening to this that they are not even making it this far in the podcast because <laughs> they can't stand food competition shows. But I just. I just don't get The Bachelor. Like, if I were one of those women yeah. on that show. Wanting this, like, I, I just wouldn't go on a show, first of all. And at the end, like, I'm supposed to marry the person that I win, yeah. quote unquote. And then, like, I know that Susie Q and Sarah Beth are all making out with the same dude. <laughs> like, I, I don't, I don't, I just, I just don't, I just don't get it. You know what they need to do? They need to do a gay version. 
Except they wouldn't be able yeah. to show half of everything on TV because <laughs> all the cast contestants would just be sleeping with each other. Well, that's that's why um, they've said before that it's like hard for them to do that. I mean, that would be great. Well, because but the, the 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 whole like part of the show that people don't talk about is like they purposefully structure it so that they can like cut the contestants off from like all reality aside from the person they're competing for. Right. So like they have to like. They cut them off. Like, they don't have technology or anything like that. They essentially have to put them in a situation where they're, like, dead focused on whoever the bachelor or bachelorette is. Whereas, like, if they all had the potential to be, like, attracted to one another, that would distract them. That's from, the flaw with all the gay yeah. guys. Because they wouldn't just be going after the one contestant. They'd be sleeping with each other. Yeah. <laughs> it would work great for, like, Bachelor in Paradise or something, which is, like, their spinoff. Yeah. Because everyone can, like, intermingle and, like, date throughout there. I, I'm not opposed to a gay bachelor at all. I'm just saying that's why they won't do it. Right My now. old roommate is obsessed with that show. She would <laughs> she would clear her schedule to watch. Uh, to, to watch Bachelor. <laughs> oh, sorry, we went on. We, yeah, we got tangent. on a tangent. Um, some background about MasterChef that I found was interesting. Um, that is different from the Food Network shows we've talked about. There are elements of having an audience watching aside from just the host and the judges, at least in the final round, there's always going to be like a live audience. And the auditions, there's like a live audience watching yes. them cook. Um, it's also a longer filming process. This is like a two to three month filming much process. Much longer. Yeah, which... From a production standpoint, is much more expensive. They also have way more contestants, which is more mm-hmm. mouths to feed, more hotels to book, more car services, and then... They do on-location competitions where they're, like, out at some vineyard out in the middle of, you know, Temecula Valley. Yeah. And so then you have to bus all those contestants, bus the crew, bus the producers, bus everyone. I mean, it's a very expensive show. Oh, yeah. And... Um, which is probably why it's heavily produced. They're wanting to get their money. Yeah, spent. basically. Also, I mean, it is hard when you're, like, following the same people throughout, throughout like, three months you kind of have to get to know them more. So mm-hmm. I guess you do have to have more producer intervention to get like the emotional connection yeah, that you need. Um, also something that I thought was weird is that, so a big concept of this show is like, can this person be trained to be like a professional level chef? Like, are they malleable? Um, and apparently a lot of the contestants are trained in outside classes, like during the course of the filming project really? uh, process. Yeah. They like take, classes outside of the competition so that they can improve more and more um whereas they make it seem on television that they're just improving like through just the competition right because by the end those three people that are at the end are making like yeah sometimes michelin star dishes and you're and you're like how how did you even know about that technique if you're just, you know, an accountant from... <laughs> Denver. Yeah, from, from you know, Branson, Missouri. Yeah. Yeah, apparently uh, some of them get trained in outside classes. That would make so much fun. I love the fact that you actually researched this because I'm just like, oh, yeah. well, that was entertaining. I'm going to go on with my day. <laughs> well, the production is like the most interesting part because I think... People are just like, people show up, they cook some food, everyone goes home. Well, hot damn Susie Q one. <laughs> like, no, there's so much more that goes into it. Yeah. Um, and a, a thing that sticks out a lot in food reality shows is like, how much time is going on between 
when they've plated their meals and when the judges get to try it. And in MasterChef, a lot of these meals get served cold Mm -hmm. um, because so much time has passed. So throughout the course of the competition, the judges will walk around and taste and evaluate what the cook is making as they're cooking it Mm -hmm. so that they get a chance to taste it while the ingredients are fresher. Right. Which is very interesting. I... I can only imagine like eating like a cold salmon and judging it for like three months. <laughs> that is that is very true. <laughs> that would be honestly, I would not want to judge a reality food show. Oh, I wouldn't either because it's just well. First of all, there's I'm somewhat of a picky eater. I don't like fish unless it's white yeah, fish, and same. you know things like that. Um, and the amount of times they have to eat Rocky Mountain oysters because or, that's always a mystery basket ingredient. Oh my gosh. Or, you know, escargot or beef tongue or some other, yeah. you know, um, I just, I, I would not want to, nope. <laughs> <laughs> I would be the worst. I'd be like, mm, as long as it's not spicy, it doesn't have any seafood in it. Oh, I don't, I'm not really a fan of kiwi, so I won't be trying that. Like I'd be yeah. the worst. Um, before we go on to our last show, I have a fun little activity for us. Okay. So, a fun part about food shows, specifically food network shows, is that a lot of times they can't use the brand name of a product. Correct. Because they're not going to just give out some free advertising. Correct. So, let's say it's, you know, what's, what's a specific Kentucky bourbon? Oh, I don't know if Maker's Mark is from Kentucky or yeah. what, but instead of Maker's Mark, which you can clearly tell yeah. it's Maker's Mark because of their signature bottle, yeah, they would just have a sticker on the front that says bourbon. Yep. <laughs> so they famously come up with generic names for these products. Mm-hmm. And I have written out a list. Some of them are from actual Food Network that have been used before. Some of them I wrote myself. I'm very excited about this. <laughs> I'm going to give you a generic name for a product, and you have to tell me what that product is. Are I kind of hope I don't know these, so I'm not that big of a nerd, but <laughs> we'll, we'll see. I'll, I'll start off easy, and then I'll get more difficult. A chocolate sandwich cookie. Oreo? Yes, that is an Oreo. A shredded wheat cracker. Shredded wheat cracker. Um, oh, what are those things called? Triscuits? <laughs> yes. All right, this is one that I wrote. Miniature pizza pastries. Oh, uh, pizza bites. Uh, bagel. Yes, bagel bites. Bagel bites. This one was one I thought was funny. Fruit leather. Fruit by the foot? Or like... So close. Um... Dried, what is, oh, it's right there. (laughs) Fruit roll-up? Yes. Fruit leather. I'm still stuck on (laughs) chocolate sandwich cookie. (laughs) Which was the easiest one. (laughs) Yeah, but I'm just like, that shows you how ridiculously generic these names are. This is another one I wrote. Gooey-centered fruit snack. A gusher? Yeah. (laughs) Wow, I'm a nerd. (laughs) Um... Tiny ice cream spheres. Tiny? Oh, uh, Dippin' Dots. Yes. I did not write that one. That one they actually used, which I think Tiny is... Tiny ice cream spheres. Amazing. Um, 
Strawberry popping candy. Strawberry pop rocks? Yes, pop rocks. You're doing good. And lastly, this is one that I wrote. Unpredictable margarine spread. Unpredictable margarine spread. I can't believe it's not butter. Yeah. <laughs> did I just get all of those right? You did. You nailed it. Okay. I'm going to cry as I drive home from I here. can't believe it's not butter. I can't believe you nailed that. <laughs> <laughs> Great job, man. Hey, Alex. I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. So if you were an advertiser, you would sponsor me, right? Absolutely. Oh, perfect. Because you know how on Chopped they do like a mystery basket? Well, today I'm doing like a mystery ad read. And in that theme, yes. I'm going to give you a generic version of a product. Oh, okay. Perfect. Individual instant coffee pods. Okay. Individual instant coffee pots. I will I will do an ad read for individual instant coffee pots right here, right now, on the spot, so that I can prove to future investors that I'm a great sellout. Okay. Individual instant coffee pods. <clears throat> wah, wah, wah. This pot of coffee is so old. Well, it's my own fault. Every time I brew a, a pot of coffee, I'm brewing like six gallons at once because I have no measurement of how much coffee it takes to fill one mug. <sighs> well, I guess I'll have to look for an alternative. Knock, knock, knock. Oh, something's at my door. Walk, walk, walk. Turn knob. Erk. Oh my gosh. It's my new shipment of individual uh, instant coffee pods. Open, open, open. That's me opening a box. Wow, all of these individual coffee pods are going to solve all of my problems. Guys, this can solve all of your problems too. With these individual instant coffee pods, you don't have to pay the big brand money for something like Nespresso or Keurig. You're getting the generic and best tasting coffee of your life. It's really simple. With a subscription to our instant, uh, in individual instant coffee pods subscription service, you can go online, you can select from any flavors you want. You want French vanilla? We got it. You want regular ass boring coffee? We got that too. You get to search through all of the different pods you want, mix and match any type of flavor, put it in your cart, and with code uh, Chloe is an instant coffee pod head, 35, you get 35% off your order, you guys. It's gonna be perfect. No longer will you be swimming through excess coffee that's just gonna go cold and bland and be stale by the end of the day. Now you have a way to instantly get a fresh mug of coffee, the perfect size, perfect uh, temperature, perfect taste, perfect everything. And it's all at your fingertips in an instant. So go online to www.thisisthewebsite for individual instant coffee pods and now you are on the website for individual instant coffee pods.com 
to get your order of individual instant coffee pods. I'm not joking, you guys. This is what you need to kickstart your day and uh, get a jump on some Java. How was that, Alex? That's really good. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's go get some coffee right now. Uh, after that tongue twister, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so we've reached our last show. This show is very different from the other shows that we've talked about because, and I think we're going to have differing opinions on this show, so this will be interesting. Very, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm. I, I, and to be fair, I only discovered this show about three or four months ago because mm-hmm. I was there was no more chopped for me to watch on Hulu <laughs> and I was trying to find something else to watch. Well, this show is also on the Food Network. However, it does not get the star treatment that Chopped or Cutthroat Kitchen would get. I, and, and I think because it's kind of campy. Yes. It's, it's not so. It definitely is. Yeah. This is a show called Cooks vs. Cons. With one of the judges from Chopped, actually. Yes. Jeffrey Zakarian is the host of this show. Yes. And they, they put in different judges throughout the course of the um, competition, right? Yes. Which, if you watch these food competition shows, you see a lot of them on, yeah. on each other's shows. Um, the concept of this show is that there are four chefs. Two of them are professional cooks. And two of them are the cons. Or the home cooks. Yeah, they are the amateur cooks. And their identities are hidden from the judges and from the host. Um, and each other. They don't, I don't, yeah. I'm pretty sure they don't tell each other either. The, it, the thing that's different about this show is instead of three different rounds, there's only two rounds. Mm-hmm. And the whole concept is um, throughout the course of the competition, the judges and the host are trying to guess who are the pros and who are the amateurs. Round one, they are assigned a specific type of food and they are given an ingredient to include in that food. So I think the one I watched was like, we got to make a frittata, but you have to include olives, Mm -hmm. which does not seem that weird. But then they would show you four or five different types of olives. So like one would be blue cheese stuffed olives. One would be black olives. One would be olive tamponade. I cannot talk today. Tapenade? No, you nailed it. Tapenade. Yeah. Uh, tapenade. Uh, so it would, you can use any of those ingredients mm-hmm. that are olive-based, but you have to use at least one. And then round two, after they eliminate a chef, um, round two is that they can make anything, but they're still given an ingredient to use. And <laughs> the episode I watched was like, you can literally make anything on the planet as long as it includes rice. And they all freaked out as if rice is not like a staple ingredient in right, like right. so many dishes. They were like, we got to use rice. I was like, dude, even I can make something with rice. I, you know, I. <sighs> the idea of this show is fun. Yes. I think the execution of it is yeah under i'm trying to think of a nice way to put this and i think that's why it hasn't been given the attention that other shows are given because it's 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 like i said earlier it's more campy than the other shows Mm -hmm. because uh the host what's his name uh jeffrey zakarian jeffrey zakarian is very campy like his style of hosting yeah um and throughout it, he's like asking the judges, like, "Who do you think is the con and who is the pro?" And they'll be like, yeah. "Oh, well, you know, Sandra's over there 
doing this, and that's a very con move. So I think Sandra's the con. Yeah, they're basically just, like, scrutinizing. They're like, the cucumber is sliced very, like, shoddily. So I think this person is an amateur. Um, Yeah, I gotta say, as much as I like the guessing aspect of this show, I don't know how much I would actually rewatch it. Well, and, and also, if you are a con, if you're a home chef, yeah. and you win... You quote unquote conned the judges. Yeah. You win fifteen thousand dollars. But if you're a pro yeah. and you win, you only win ten thousand dollars. Well that's how they did it for the first season. I've heard that for the second they changed it to like across the board, everyone gets the same no matter what. I would be but so like, mad if I yeah. well, first of all, this home coach just beat me. I'd be like, dude, I'll tell them I'm a con for an extra five thousand yeah, exactly, dollars. I'll right? fucking lie. I've been lying this whole competition. Yeah, I, I would I, absolutely. I, I think that that's kind of flawed. <laughs> I also think the structure is weird because there's only two judges and there's only two rounds. So I was watching it and the episode is about 40 minutes long, which is standard, but it felt so much longer. Like, I was like, how are they shoving in? Like, but you realize why there's only two rounds, right? Because they have to guess? Like, because there are two cons and two pros yeah let's say on the first round one of the cons gets sent home mm -hmm. and then on the second round the other con gets sent home so then the fin the last round would be the two pros there's no more guessing you know they're both pros true but i think they could figure out a way to make it less boring if they're gonna have two rounds because it was like so it, stretched out. I was like, I can only watch someone make a frittata for so long. And they harped on it for like 30 minutes. It is it, it is a slow-moving competition, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I don't want to... I mean, I'm not here to exclusively talk shit on Cooks vs. Cons because I do like... Oh, it is inter entertaining because I've is. watched both both seasons. It I'm, is entertaining. I'm, we're, I, I'm just saying in contrast to other competition shows. Yeah. It's It's... It's definitely, like, the set is, like, very low budget. It's, like, a discount chopped set. The host, no offense, is, like, a discount Alton Brown, like, trying oh, to be kind of, so like... true. He's kind of trying to be, like, funny and snarky, but he's just, like, it doesn't seem as natural. No offense, I'm sure he's, like... You I know, mean, it, he does it, better than I could do. I, 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 I think the way you're describing it is perfect. I, he's not as natural as Alton Brown. Because, like, uh, at the beginning of each episode, they give you the premise of, like, two of these chefs are cons and two of these are pros. And then he'll come on and he'll be like, malarkey! Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. It's just, like, it seems so unnatural. That's, that's, the, best, yeah. that's the best word to describe it, I think. Yeah, they're like trying to make it very theatrical, but at the end of the day, it's just not structured as well, so it's not as interesting. Do you know something that I find entertaining uh, that I wish... Clearly, I don't have cable. I watch everything online. I, I, <laughs> I, um, I did like, and I know this we weren't scheduled to talk about this, but uh, mm -hmm. The Next Food Network star. Oh, that's that. That's really entertaining, and I really love watching... You know, being an actor and being someone in, in the entertainment industry, watching people that are so uncomfortable in front of cameras yeah. and then watching them get so comfortable. Like, it's so, it's cool. And then, like, yeah. later, you know, years down the line, seeing some of them being highly successful is really, it's really, it's really cool. Oh, yeah. I like that show a lot. There's a lot of other 
really great Food Network shows that I know we, we could sit here and talk for like yeah. three, four, or five hours about yeah. all these shows. Guys, Grocery Games I think is really fun. Uh, I mean, you don't like Guy Fieri, but if you I, um, if you can tolerate Guy Fieri, though, that one's kind of fun. Um, I I just. <laughs> I'm so sorry if you're listening to this. The odds are that you're not going to, guy. But I just, like, he is my least favorite yeah. of all of the Food Network personalities. Something about, I just want to punch him in the face. Just I like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I'm just like, stop talking. But isn't he, like, the most memorable, though? Like, he's so, he's uh, literally like a walking brand. I, like, would, I would agree to disagree, though. Because I think that if you want to talk about most memorable, mm-hmm. let's talk about Emerald Lagasse. He hasn't even been around for a while. Okay. And to me, bam. that, bam. Yeah, he was the first food reality star yeah. that I fell in love with as a kid, mm-hmm. watching him cook on TV. But I feel like if you saw, well, I guess you'd have to know, like, food. I think a lot of people would know who he is. But I don't think, like, if you saw a picture of him and you weren't, like, very familiar with food that you would... You would know, know he, yes. Like, if even if I saw, like, the silhouette of Guy Fieri, I would be like, that's Guy Fieri. I get so bored watching diner dives and drives. Like, <laughs> to me, it's the same. Everyone he goes to, he takes a bite and he's like, now that's a blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay. We're out here in Dallas, Texas, and they're getting chili. <laughs> they're giving chili a whole new um, meaning. Just... And then he takes like a big ass bite of food. It's like literally like (laughs) rolling down his chin, like into his beard. And then he's like, yeah, this is the best. I love it. And the chefs are like disgusted by him. That's what I was about to say. I don't watch, if I do watch that show, it's not to watch him. It's to watch the people, the guests. Because watching him eat their food. Is so some of them are like, oh my god, he's eating my food, and some of them are just like, oh my god, dude, like <laughs> he literally like he like bursts into their kitchen, takes it, he takes like a, over. Yeah, he's like a tornado. He's like disgusting when he eats. Like this is not to shit on Guy Fieri because I, I mean, I'm not like in love with him, but I think he's entertaining. She likes him way more than I do. <laughs> but like he just like shoves everything into his mouth and like talks with his mouth full. He's like so nasty, but like I kind of like that. Like <laughs> I think that's like kind of funny to me. <laughs> but because, I kind of like. Well, I'm just saying like. Like, at least he's not, like, putting on airs. Like, he's reacting as if he's someone who's never eaten good food in his life, even though, like, that's all he does is go around eating good food, which right. I think is kind of entertaining. What's what's the show that a couple years ago, it was a guy that would go around and he would, you know how restaurants have, like, mm-hmm. famous things? Like, if you eat this 22-ounce ribeye. Oh, oh, um... Oh, Man versus Food. Yes, Man versus Food. That was on. I loved that, but if I, I if I remember correctly, that. they had to stop because it started becoming like it started yeah. affecting his body. I think that was on. That was like on Discovery or something like that. It wasn't on Food Network, but I loved. Was that Whoa. Adam Carolla? No, not Adam Carolla. That's the Man Show. Oh shoot! What uh, was his, it was I like Adam something. Something, uh, but if you see him now, he looks so much more healthy. Yeah. Like, he, I, I think that show was genuinely affecting his health. <laughs> that was such a good show, though. He would literally, like, go somewhere and they'd be like, you have to eat five gallons of ice cream to eat this, or to, this, to this win a t-shirt. 17 like, alarm 
chicken wing. Yeah. And not sweat. Like, and he'd be yeah. like, whoo, all right. And then he'd just do it. It was amazing. Um, but I mean, yeah, it's probably, he's probably better off that he doesn't do that now. Yeah. <laughs> um, another great Food Network show that we aren't going to touch on too much, but it's another competition show, which is Beat Bobby Flay. Uh-huh. Love that one. Because Bobby Flay is like, he genuinely seems like he's an asshole. <laughs> but like, I think everyone's like all right with it. <laughs> like he he. So in the scale of like, if you have like uh, Guy Fieri to the left, and he's like you know my least favorite, and you've got yeah. like Gordon Ramsay over here in the right, and he's my favorite. Yeah. I think Bobby Flay would be dead in the center. Yeah. Like sometimes he annoys me, but sometimes I find him entertaining. Yeah, I think he. I really like when people beat him. I'm like, yeah, you son yes, of a bitch. That's Just the, like, <laughs> well, that's the thing that I think is interesting about that show. So the whole con- concept is that like, uh, someone is going head to head with Bobby Flay. Like, they, a lot of them are chefs, like yeah, professional chefs. They bring in their own signature dish. So they'll come in and they'll be like, pork chops are my signature dish, and then they'll cook a pork chop, and Bobby Flay will cook a pork chop, and then the judges will blind taste test. And choose whose is better, and they don't know whose is Bobby's and whose is, like, the person he's competing against. And the thing I love about that show is that, like, people so obviously want Bobby to lose. Oh, yeah. Because he, like, (laughs) I guess the thing that's interesting to me is that, like, he genuinely does seem like he's an asshole, but, like, like a charming asshole. So, like, you get a kind of joy from him losing. Oh, because you're like he's kind of a dick so like I want to see him go down and also just because like he's obviously the person with a higher status I I genuinely when I watch that show I feel annoyed (laughs) at the end if he wins yes I'm like fuck I'm like well that was a waste (laughs) of 30 minutes like I didn't I didn't get my satisfaction from watching that I came all this way to see if someone who can cook good cook good or cook well sorry that's terrible grammar we're both doing so well But uh, that one's a fun one. And then Food Network Challenge is like a classic, just like cake decorating competition show. So we'll talk about her extremely briefly. Yeah. But if I had to pick my favorite female chef. Okay. And she's only on one of these shows that we briefly talked about today, which is the next Food Network star. Yes. Giada. Oh, oh, wait, I I know who that is. She is the absolutely. Yes. Stunning Italian female chef. She's so beautiful. I didn't realize she came from Food Network Star. She's one of the judges. Oh, okay. No, she has her own, which admittedly I'm not a huge fan of this style of cooking show, but she has one of those shows where she teaches you how to make stuff. Uh-huh. Um, and hers is always beautiful. And if I made it at yeah. home, it would look like it came from, you know. She's so glamorous. Spaghetti factory. <laughs> <laughs> Um, she has a restaurant in Vegas that I always want to go to, but I, I just never have made it out there. And I also feel like it would probably be pretty expensive. But Oh my gosh, I want to go to the Gordon Ramsay restaurant in Vegas so bad. And every time I go, I like tell myself I'm going to eat there. And then every time I go, I go, oh, I don't want to pay for it. <laughs> I want a real Beef Wellington. I want a real Beef yes. Wellington from a Gordon Ramsay restaurant. I just want Gordon Ramsay to yell at me and punch me in the face. And you then, know, and this is another show that, <laughs> speaking <feel> <laughs> speaking of that, uh, Hell's Kitchen, which he does that. And on the side, they have, like, the celebrity yeah. booths. One day, I hope to be in that celebrity booth oh, just to watch yeah. him throw a salmon at somebody. You know, <sighs> I love, I love, I love, <laughs> I love that. I have, like... All the chefs on that show are 
assholes, it seems like, though. Oh, yeah. Like, that that show has such a different, uh, what is the tone? That's such a yes. different tone. They're all in it to win it, and it is oh, number yeah. one. That is where the dark side of Ramsey comes out. Yes. He, like, he doesn't yell at people as much on MasterChef. But Chef, to be but... fair, if I was Ramsey to deal with that yeah. personality for that long Oh, I yeah. would be Ramsey too and be like, fuck you. That's terrible. Get out of my kitchen. Yeah, I think if you watch him on a lot of shows, you realize like he's not just like, he he's doesn't a- just barge in and start yelling at people. Like he just like gives people exactly what they're giving him. He matches whatever you throw at him. Yeah, like if, he's like not someone who's going to make concessions for you. Like if you're nice and like he has respect for you, you're sweet. Yeah, then he's super sweet and respectful. And if you give him, like, anything, he's like, nope, like, don't mess with me, and he'll fucking throw it back at you. So, like, there's, like, a method behind his madness. We could talk about Gordon Ramsay all day. Oh, I I want to... Okay, I have a question for you, because you came on with this... This little game, and I I feel like this might be something fun to to wrap it up with, is, you know, the question of uh, if you could pick one person... Dead or alive to eat spaghetti with Ooh. is one of my favorite questions. And admittedly, I have two people for this. Okay, um, who would it be? And I'll 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 answer for myself and give you a moment to think. Okay, um, mine would be Michelle Obama and Sandra Bullock. Ooh, at the same time or separate um, meals? I think separate because if I did it at the same time, my brain would literally just melt down and I wouldn't be able to talk. (laughs) But I have so much respect for both of these women Yeah. for different reasons. Like Michelle Obama is arguably the best first lady personified since Jackie Kennedy. And she was a woman of color. Mm -hmm. Like that's monumental. And then... She held it all with such grace, and she was real big on eating healthy and exercising and including children and, and women's yeah. rights and, and all of it. It's just, oh, she's an amazing human being. Plus, then you'd get to see how much cheese she puts on her spaghetti. And that we would bond <laughs> over it because I put a ridiculous amount of cheese on my spaghetti. No judgment for people who make a mound of cheese. Um, Sandra Bullock. Mm-hmm. She does what I want to do. Like, she's gorgeous. She can do comedy. She can do drama. 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 <laughs> um, I talk so well, guys. Um, <laughs> and me as a kid, I remember her watching her win her Oscar as she was going through her divorce. Mm-hmm. And that was just this. She handled it with such poise. Yeah. And she just said, fuck all that noise. I'm going to do my shit and I, I, I'm going to win this Oscar, you know? And it's yeah. just, she's, she is, both of those are just badass women. Oh, those are great choices. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I love some Sandy B. If I had to choose one person to eat spaghetti with, first that comes to mind is Lucille Ball. Mm. I would. Comedic genius. Yes. I would love to talk to her not only about comedy obviously because she is she's a huge inspiration to me and most uh, female comedians or just uh, just comedians in general um so not only would I want to talk to her because I'm just a huge fan but I think it would be very interesting to hear 
her perspective from her time period. She is somebody who revolutionized so much of how television works and so, how so ahead of her game. Yeah, and how women are seen in comedy. I mean, she not only was she a business genius who I feel I could learn a lot from. I mean, the woman essentially invented the concept of the live studio audience of reruns of just so many different things. Didn't she also um, have something to do with residuals, if I remember correctly? Um, I, I, well, maybe. I believe so, because they had to figure out a, a way Payment to compensate for, for reruns. reruns. Yeah. So she came up with so much of the business side of television, in addition to being on it and being like an incredible an performer. incredible businesswoman. Yeah, and I would love to hear her perspective, because, I mean, I just feel like I would have so much to learn from her. Um, that's a great question. Thanks. I would love to eat spaghetti with all of these people that we yes. talked about. <laughs> um, well, our time has come to say goodbye. Uh, I will leave you with one more guess. Oh Lord! On my list. Please don't let me fail on the last generic one. Generic guess. Um, let's see. On my list of generic ass foods, I'm trying to find a good one. Okay. Um. Sponge cake snacks. Sponge cake snacks. The broad answer, I feel like, would be Little Debbie. But then there's like a specific one. <laughs> uh, oh, wait. What is the most famous one? Sponge cake snacks. Oh, shoot. I'm so glad we're leaving this episode on one that you don't know. Oh, it's I can see it in my head. It's chocolate, right? <laughs> nope, I'm totally wrong. No. What is it? This is Twinkies. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's so good. I would have not gotten Twinkies. Yes, oh. thank you. I didn't get one. <laughs> well, we will leave you guys with that. Thank you so much for being on today, Alex. Thank you so much for having me. This was a blast. This was really fun. Thank you so much for listening, you guys. Uh, make sure to follow the podcast on Instagram at Unwatchable with Chloe Rodriguez. I will be linking that down below as well as my social media and Alex's social media so you can check us out. And I will see you guys next time on Unwatchable. Bye. Bye. <laughs>